Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Well, here we are at the start of our fourth and final week in the book of Daniel, looking at what it means to stand. And today's topic is how do we stand in the face of difficulty? Wow. (laughs) What a time to be talking about that, hey? I wonder where you were when the clock struck 12 at midnight on New Year's Eve 2019. I wonder what you thought this year would look like. I can remember standing in my in-laws conservatory, my kids asleep upstairs, watching the fireworks go off with a glass of champagne in my hand, thinking about the year to come and all that it would hold. And I tell you what, I really, I did not see this coming. I don't think any of us did. So to talk about standing firm in the face of difficulty, well, it seems pretty timely to be doing that, doesn't it? And yet, I want to start by acknowledging how difficult the world is right now for all of us, with COVID, with political uncertainty, financial uncertainty, and everything that goes with it. I know many of us are feeling pretty overwhelmed. But having taken the passage that I've been given and looked at it and reflected on it, I've wrestled with the fact that that cannot be the absolute heart of what we talk about today. Because this passage that we're going to look at, when it talks about difficulties, it's not just talking about the difficulties that come at us in general through life. It's talking to us about the difficulties that come at us as a result of our faith. Those difficulties that fly at us because we're following Jesus. Those moments that Jesus called to us to take up our cross and follow him becomes crushingly real in our lives. Whether that's the dynamics of a workplace where we find ourselves in a position of having to not follow along with something or stand up against something because it stands out against what Jesus has taught us to do. Whether it's in our classroom where we're having to stand up in front of our peers and our teachers and say, actually, yeah, I really do believe that thing that the Bible says is true that you all think is ridiculous. Whether it's the rejection that comes from our community when we can't participate in the things that they're doing and even beyond can't participate, feel that we have to say that what is happening is wrong. And in many places in the world, like the story that we're going to look at today, when you start to face genuine physical danger for refusing to renounce following Jesus. How on earth do we stay strong when following Jesus becomes the source of our suffering. Just a small question, and as a preacher, it's constantly a relief that the answer to that question relies pretty much not at all on my own wisdom and my own understanding, but 100% upon what the Bible has to say to us and what God has given us to tackle those problems. And so today we're turning to a story that I suspect you'll all know, probably the most famous story about Daniel, probably if you grew up in church, a story that you will have heard a multitude of times in Sunday school. It's the story of Daniel and the lion's den. So for those who need a recap of where we've got to, uh, we are joining Daniel. He is an Israelite, a Jew, um, who is in exile in Babylon. The Babylonians had invaded Israel and carried off Israel's best and brightest into the Babylonian Empire to integrate them into their system, to make use of their experience, their skills, their knowledge, to build further build the Babylonian Empire. And Daniel, we learn, was in particular very hardworking. He had huge integrity and he was very effective at the roles that he was given. 
And we join Daniel today at a point where King Nebuchadnezzar has found that his empire has grown and expanded, and he needs to put people of influence into positions to oversee his empire. And Daniel has distinguished himself so much from his peer group that he is in line to become the person that King Nebuchadnezzar sets above the whole empire. Now you can find this story in chapter six of Daniel and I really recommend going and reading the full chapter. I'm not gonna read it all to you today. Um, I'm gonna give you the abridged version and some key bits, but I really recommend you go and read it yourselves. So as King Nebuchadnezzar looks to promote Daniel to this position of influence, as you might expect, there were others in the court who began to become jealous of Daniel's position. And they started to search for a way to overthrow him and to bring him down. Here's the problem. Daniel was so good at his job and acted with such integrity that they literally couldn't find any reason in law to bring him down. And they discovered that the only grounds they might have to do that was his faith in God. The passage says this, the men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of God. And so these men plotted and schemed and they went to King Nebuchadnezzar and they manipulated him into signing a new law that said, anyone who says prayers to any God or human being during a series of season of the next 30 days, except for to King Nebuchadnezzar, would be thrown into the lion's den. And let's read the passage now from verse 10. It says, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he'd done before. Then the men plotting against Daniel went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in that writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. But the passage goes on to say that he couldn't do it. He couldn't save Daniel. The law was too steadfast. And so Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. The morning after Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, it tells us this in verse 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, the, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They haven't hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in the earth. He said this, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, my people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. 
for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Oh, what a story. You can see why it's a Sunday school hit, can't you? Well, I wonder what can we learn from this story of Daniel about how we can stand strong in the face of difficulties? Well, in good Christian fashion, I have three points, of course. And here's the first. The first thing that I think the story of Daniel teaches us is to know that trouble will come. Now, I don't know what your favourite time of year is, but mine is without a doubt autumn. I love autumn. I love when the trees are changing colour, you can crunch through leaves on the ground, it's getting cold. And I love that it's getting dark in the evening so that you can go home, shut the curtains, turn on the lights, light a fire, get out the blankets, snuggle up and be safe and warm and cosy in the comfort of your own home. I love comfort. And that's ideal, really, because half our business industry are... Our commercial industry is geared around selling comfort and happiness. We're told that the goal of life is to be comfortable, to avoid difficulty. Um, So we can convince ourselves that if we just buy the right things, make the right decisions, behave the right way, eat the right things, then we can be comfortable and safe and secure, that we can keep the dark and cold and wet outside away from us, that we can avoid pain and loss and tragedy. That's such a strong message in our culture. And if we're not careful, that message can seep its way into our theology. We start to think that if we just pray enough, that if we just believe the right things, have enough faith, behave in the right way, that we can claim the fullness and the peace and the safety of heaven here and now. But we can't. We're not there yet. And actually, the Bible when it talks about what it is to follow God, talks about us being aliens in a foreign land. It tells us that our world is broken, that it's in the process of being healed, but it's not yet whole. And actually, in one of his more upbeat and encouraging uh, speeches in John, Jesus says this, If the world hates you, keep in mind, it hated me first. There's not much about comfort in there. We're not in heaven. We live in a world that is still overcome by evil, that is still broken, that is still fighting its way, full of heart towards Jesus's return. And it's a world in which often the teachings of Jesus are sometimes scandalous and unpopular. And we are really, really lucky to live in a corner of the world where it is largely quite safe to follow Jesus. But we know that so many of our brothers and sisters around the world face daily danger purely for choosing to follow Jesus. For them, the risk of a lion's den is much more real, much more vivid than it is for us. But even in our part of the world, we know all too well that choosing to faithfully stand for God can be costly, whether that's reputationally, positionally, financially, relationally. Daniel's story shows us that when God raises us up and calls us to live faithful lives, we will face opposition. There will be those that seek to tear us down. And so the first lesson we can learn from Daniel about how to stand in the face of difficulty is just this, 
to not be surprised when it comes to us. It's going to happen. Which is useful because it reminds us to be like Daniel. And our second lesson from the passage, it reminds us to train for trouble. When trouble came hurtling at Daniel, Daniel was prepared. He knew he was living in a hostile and alien environment. He knew this wasn't his peaceful home. And so he had built a rhythm and a life that could sustain him and keep him going in the face of difficulties. The passage says that when Daniel discovered trouble coming his way, he went straight to his room to pray, just as he had done before, just as he always did. Knowing the danger he was in, he did it with the windows wide open, three times a day, giving thanks to God. I don't know about you, but if I had been Daniel, hearing that decree, I think even in my best spiritual moments, I'd have been tempted to make just a few adjustments to my daily rhythms. I might have slipped down from maybe three times a day praying to perhaps just one quite late at night. Or possibly I might have decided to maybe pray in the corner of the room rather than in front of the window, or at least shut the windows. Or perhaps I would have said to myself, do you know what this decree says? It's for 30 days. If I just keep a low profile for 30 days, then the world goes back to normal. Or maybe I would have persuaded myself that the positional influence that God had given, the fact that I was just on the brink of being in a position to do so much in this Babylonian empire, I was just about to take over so much that I might have thought to myself, perhaps compromising now is a good way of securing that influence for God. And it would be better to just keep quiet, keep my head down and compromise to keep that position. I certainly think I might not have been kneeling down to give thanks to God in those moments. There might have been a bit more grumbling and a bit more anguish. But Daniel did none of those things. And is that just because Daniel is a better person than me? Quite possibly. <laughs> but I think also it has something to do with the life that Daniel was living. That when Daniel had to stand in the face of difficulty, he did it using muscles that he had built through years and years of training. Daniel knew where he would find the strength to stand. He knew he would find it in the presence of God. And he knew that because that is where he'd been going to find it three times a day for many years. I wonder if you could say the same about your life. As you think about that, I wonder where do you go to find your strength to face each day? And when the world starts crumbling around you, do you know where you can go to find strength? Do you know how and where to go to get into the presence of God? Do you have rhythms and routines that are embedded in your day-to-day -day and weekly life that are your source of strength? And if trouble came at you tomorrow, would you know where to go? Is it a daily quiet time? Is it found in time worshipping God? Is it about being part of the community of the church? Is there a way of praying that you use? What does it look like for you? Or are you listening with a growing sense of alarm, thinking, actually, I don't know what I would do. But if trouble came tomorrow, you wouldn't know where to start looking to God for help. If this passage is anything, let it be a challenge and a reminder to us in normal life and especially in the life of discipleship that we know trouble will come to us. 
So let's train for that trouble. And I want to challenge you today as a practical piece of this going away from here to think about what are the rhythms and practices that you can build today that will help you stand tomorrow. So how do we stand in the face of difficulty? Well, we accept that trouble will come, especially when we stand for God. And so we train to face those troubles by going regularly into God's presence. And finally, the last thing I think this passage shows us is that we are called to take responsibility for our actions, but to release the outcomes of our circumstances to God. Our conduct, our behaviour is in our hands, but the outcome is in God's. See, Daniel could ensure that his working life was above reproach. He could ensure that he remained faithful to God even when it cost him everything. He could not ensure that a group of hungry lions would not eat him. There was nothing he could have done to make himself safe in the situation he found himself in. That was God's job. When Daniel walked into that lion's den, he had done everything he could. He'd been faithful and above reproach. But that alone wasn't enough to keep him out of the lion's claws. As he crossed that, crossed that threshold, everything moved out of his hands. And God was the only one who could deliver the outcome. It's such a tough and bitter pill to swallow, isn't it? That we are much less in control than we like to think we are. I think that's been one of the hard lessons of this pandemic is discovering quite how little of our life we're in control of and how dependent we are on others and on God for everything that we have. Because ultimately the outcome of pretty much every circumstance comes down to God sooner or later. Which can seem really scary, but actually we have a God who we can trust because he is good because he loves us and because he has the perspective over all things to know what is needed. And because ultimately he will bring all things to goodness once more. Now for Daniel, trusting God's outcome meant striding out of that lion's den completely unharmed. It meant that uh, a dictator acknowledged the glory of God to his whole people. It meant that unjust laws were overthrown. I mean, that's a pretty good outcome, right? And I really wish, I really wish that that could be where we leave the story today. That I could say to you that if you faithfully follow God, that if you do all the right things, that if you trust God for the outcome, you too will walk out of the lion's den unscarred. But I can't promise that because we don't believe in that kind of prosperity gospel. And because I suspect that as we listen, there are many of us who bear scars and wounds of stories and trials that didn't end like Daniel's. When Daniel stood up for God against all odds, he walked out of the den unharmed. When Stephen stood up for God in Acts 2, he was stoned to death. When Cassie and Rachel, two teenagers at school in Columbine in 1999, stood up for their faith, and refused to renounce God, they were shot. When Ghul Masih in Pakistan stood up for his faith in 1992, he started on a journey that has meant he spent the rest of his life in hiding for defying blasphemy laws. Throughout the world, throughout history, for every Daniel, there's a Stephen. 
for every miraculous and incredible victory in the face of injustice, there's what looks like terrible tragedy. And I wonder what your stories are like. I wonder if you've walked away from the difficulties you've faced with head held high, totally vindicated, or if you've crawled out of the lion's den, broken, bruised, mauled, everything in tatters around you, wondering what on earth God is doing. And there's no simple or easy way to navigate this. No simple sticking plaster for the complexity and pain that is here. And if you're with us today, bearing the scars and wounds of the lion's den, I don't want to cheapen the reality of your experience and your fight by trying to brush it off with an easy answer, by being flippant. Because I don't believe that God is flippant in the face of this pain. Because God himself lived this pain. When Jesus walked into the metaphorical lion's den, rather than walking out the next morning without a wound, he was lashed. A crown of thorns was pushed down upon his head. A cross was strapped across his shoulders. His hands were nailed to a wooden beam. He breathed agonizing breaths as he died. Total and utter defeat. In total, irreproachable, unreproachable innocence. And for three agonizing days, it looked like the creator of the universe had lost. For many of us, myself included, with some of the most recent dens that I have been into, our stories sit here. They sit on Easter Saturday with Jesus in the grave, the disciples scattered and afraid, faithful obedience and choosing to stand for what we know is right and true, leading to confusion and pain and loss and death. But we are a people who know that the story didn't end that Saturday. Sunday came. Jesus rose. Victory was won and victory will be won. Now, if your story is that of Daniel, I urge you, like Daniel, walking out of that lion's den, to give glory to God, to rejoice in that moment, to lead those around you in worship of God. Because God is incredible, and sometimes we get to delight in his miraculous salvation. But if today your story is a bit more like that of Stephen, your story involved a lot more being mauled by the lions, crawling in desperation out of the den, bloodied and bruised because of the stand you took for God. My prayer for you today is that you may know that your victory is held for you in the arms of a God who understands your pain, a God who hasn't missed or overlooked the sacrifices that you have made out of faithfulness for him, a God who will one day embrace you, who will wipe away every tear and gather you to himself. And we'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because this is a God who in his mystery and his wisdom can be trusted when he declares in his word that he is working out all things for the good of those who love him, even when it feels like it's not true. Death and defeat is never the final word in the kingdom of God. 
When difficulties come to us, we hold the responsibility for our actions, for walking faithfully and righteously in the midst of it all like Daniel did. But we, like Daniel, must walk boldly onward in the faith that the outcome lies in the hands of a God who is good, who is powerful, who is faithful, whether those lions sleep or whether they attack. We can trust God. In a lockdown world, these are unspeakably tough times. Many of us are weary. We feel overwhelmed. We're not sure quite where to find the reserves to keep going. We're overwhelmingly reminded of our fragility as human beings. Troubles and difficulties feel like they permeate the very air that we breathe. And when we sign up to follow Jesus, we sign up to a road that is bumpy, that is winding, that is narrow, with a cross over our shoulders. And as we seek to stand for God, we know that further difficulties will come at us. Yet in the face of all these things, God is still God. And we can and we will stand in the face of those difficulties together. So as we once again brace ourselves to face these things, may we remember that difficulties were always going to come to us. Let's not be surprised or shocked by their presence. May we resolve to train for those troubles, building rhythms and routines that draw us ever more into the presence of the God who knows us and loves us and strengthens us. And may we find hope and freedom in releasing the outcome of it all into the hands of God, the God who knows us and loves us, knowing that whatever may happen to us here and now, our victory is held in the safety of his arms. Because that is how we stand in the face of troubles. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.